Okay. <laughs> this was a really strange, well, it was a very strange morning. I woke up at four in the morning and decided I was just going to stay up. Um, I'm not going to go back to sleep. I'm just going to stay up and begin my day. So I'm doing a few things. I haven't, uh, <sighs> with a yawning business. Hmm. I haven't done yet some of the things I'm going to do. Yesterday was a wonderful day. I mean, I hated to see my daughter go, but we went to a place and had breakfast and visited and then um, went home and she had to, to leave to go back. Um, but a lot of good things happened. My de-Googled uh, Google phone, it's, it's a man called Ron Braxman. He's on YouTube. He takes Android devices, some Android devices, and he either adds Linux operating system or he does, uh, he removes the Google um, operating software and puts a, a form of open, uh, open form of Google software that has none of the tracking, Wi-Fi tra uh, triangulation, all that kind of stuff that all the things that Google uses to spy on you, he has taken out of the operating system and then reloads it onto the phone. So I bought a Google Pixel from him that has a D Google. There's no Google tracking, no Wi-Fi triangulation. The phone, in other words, I'm anonymous. And I didn't put Instagram or Twitter or any of those apps on that phone. Uh, that's my, my go-to phone. I have one app for communication with people. Um, and it's just so strictly for phone calls. Uh, yawning. No, I can surf the web and all that kind of stuff. But unless you have my phone number or you have my identifier on that app, you have no access to me. You can't track me. You can't locate me. Um yeah, it's, it's locked down. It's a very, gives you a lot of anonymity, which is what I was seeking. And I was trying to find a way to deal with my social media consumption. I wanted to distance myself from social media um, and pay more attention to living life and getting things done and all that kind of stuff. So this is one of the ways I'm going to do it. Detached from the social media. When I'm out and about, I don't have access to Instagram and Telegram and all the other apps that I have. Um, if somebody from those platforms wants to um, contact me, they have to contact me through um, an app that I have or call me directly. And if you don't have my number to call me directly, guess who doesn't get to call me? Yeah, it's, I'm locking myself down because I need to. Uh, there's an urgency, I feel, to do other things. Um, yeah, and I just remembered something, as a matter of fact. Um I'm not to check. Yeah. So anyway, had a wonderful day. My Google phone came, and then two friends of mine and I um, talked through an app, had a conversation, chat session that was just wonderful. They're both really good people. I mean, very solid, very honest, loyal. They're very good friends, and we just had a fun, <laughs> fun time teasing each other. And one of them, his name is John. He was just saying, uh, the things he was saying were just outrageously funny and ironic. It was just his little comments were just, he would say something positive and he'd slip in something negative at the end. 
But, you know, we're all having fun and teasing each other. But he was doing it with such skill, I couldn't stop laughing. I thought, wow, this is crazy. But um, And then our other friend, um, his name is Daniel. He's from the U.K. You know, speaks four languages. You know, he's got a swimming pool, Mercedes, room for a pony. No, <laughs> he's really good. I uh, had a great – John had to go, so I continued talking to Daniel. We, we talked for a couple hours, I think. But the thing is, is these are very good men, very good people, and it was wonderful interaction. So for me, it was a very good day. And then I woke up at 4 this morning after going to bed at about 1-something. So I got like two and a half hours of sleep. But I have to change my schedule. <sighs> Another yawn. Hmm. Okay, let me get right into it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about who we are, our relationship with God, and some other things, too, because I think many times people will say to me, uh, when, I, when I talk to people about themselves, um, a lot of people just say, this is who I am, meaning at the moment, this is who I am, but they don't say at the moment, this is who I am, and some will say sometimes, well, I'm better than I used to be. I'm a better person than I was. Some will even say, well, yeah, I was pretty bad, but now I'm good and I can be better. You get all different types of responses, but you usually get the, the similar response if you say, uh, if you talk to them in depth, they'll, they'll basically say, well, um, I'm just this or I'm just that, or I probably, oh, I probably will yawn when George talks to me. Or George will yawn when he talks to me. No, they'll say, I'll, I'll probably only, you know, like some will say, I'll probably never go to college. Or some will say, well, I'll probably do the same type of work all my life. Or in other words, they'll make these what I call um, finalization statements. You know, that um, I'm probably never going to get a real nice car. They're, they're basically um, forecasting their future. Like, it's inevitable. This is what's going to happen, and there's nothing I can do about it. Well, that's, you know, it's flawed thinking, basically. Um, And if they stop, and I usually try to point out to them, well, how do you know that? So, in other words, I try to engage them to, um, because my daughter says stuff to me that I'll say, Claire, how do you know that? Because I certainly don't know that about you, or I don't see, you know. And it's only when you interrupt that train of thought and really get them to think about it um, like, like someone I know said, well, I've always, all my life, all I have was old cars I had to fix, never had a newer car. It was always older, 10 years old, usually, and always had to put money in it. And I said, okay, do you think that people that buy new cars don't have to put money in them when they go out of warranty? Um, and why do you think you're only going to be able to buy 10 year old cars for the, um, all, for the rest of your life? Maybe you will change your approach to buying a car and you'll buy a car that's only five years old or two years old. I usually, when for me, I do the research and I find the most dependable year within 10 years and low mileage. Um, it's better if you can buy when it's only a year or two old so you get maximum value for the least amount of depreciation. Of course, that's always good. But now... 
used cars have changed. The dynamic of used cars has changed. They're worth a lot more than they used to be. 60,000 miles went to 100,000. Now people are selling cars with 200,000 miles and expecting to get, you know, a significant amount of money because of the way the market is. A lot goes into buying a car now where it dearly didn't when I was younger. You know? But that's not what we're talking about. I want to talk about specifically a relationship to God. So many people I have talked to think of life as just as a test. Seriously, most people, if you ask them about, you know, God and life and all that kind of stuff, they'll they'll basically present to you that life is a test. You're going to pass or fail. Um, there's a cutoff, you know. So in other words, they view life as one, a test. They view life as you know, having a cutoff, meaning you make it or you don't, meaning you go to God or you go to hell. There's, you know, there's nothing in between. And the interesting thing is very few people think of three things that are most important. One, that we never really die as, as an individual. Our physical body dies, of course, and then we're resurrected and the body is reunited with the spirit. And most people who understand uh, religious, especially Christianity, are aware of the um, resurrection, and they believe in it. Um, but for some reason, they don't really get that we're going to be around forever. We are. So what do you think we're going to be doing forever? You think you just come to Earth and you take this test and you either pass or fail, and then that's it? Yeah, so I try to help them understand, no, we're going to continue to live. We're going to continue to make decisions. We're going to continue to make mistakes. In other words, life is going to go on. So the real potential that we have is not in this life. <laughs> the real potential is in eternity. And yes, at some point, who knows when, in eternity, we will reach the break-even point where we will not progress anymore. Now, some people will reach perfection. And when they become perfect, there is no need to continue progressing because you can't. When you reach perfection, which is the epitome of development, there is no room for improvement. You've made it. Other people will not reach perfection, but they will plateau at a certain level and they will stop progressing at that level for a variety of reasons. And I try to tell people this. Life isn't simply a test that God's going to grade us on. We're going to be grading ourselves. Life is not simply a test. Life is all about our having this earthly experience to learn and grow and choose, and in other words, to live our life in such a way that we progress in our development, spiritual, educational, emotional, financial, all the things pertaining to this life and eternity. When I say financial, I'm not talking about learning how to make money so when we go to heaven, we can be rich. I'm talking about learning to manage our resources. Um, because it says in the scriptures that God does not give any commandment um, that doesn't have, uh, you know, a spiritual element to it. Uh, everything in, to God is spiritual, you know, I meaning it has a spiritual connection. So on earth, 
where people, and you see this on earth with people, some people, um, the goal is to be rich. The goal is to have so much money, you don't have to be responsible for it. You can just spend it like a French whore. Um, or maybe it's a sailor in a French port. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's a sailor in a French port, Marseille. That is not managing your money. If you have so much money, you spend it capriciously. That's not managing it. The development financially is to manage your resources, use them properly, which means, of course, you support yourself. You have a surplus. You, as it says in the scriptures, you help the poor, those in need. So in other words, the managing of your resources is to give you financial independence. The goal should not be, I want to be rich so I can just do what I want to do because I have all kinds of money. The goal should be, I want to live my life in such a way that I manage my resources so I've been dependent. So this, this concept that life is just a test is false. It's a test in the sense that we're testing ourselves. It's the sense that we are proving to ourselves what we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do, what, what uh, commandments we're willing to keep and which commandments we're not willing to keep. If we're willing to manage our resources and if we're not willing to manage our resources, if we're willing to be kind to people or not be kind to people, in the choices that we make, which directly affect our development, will produce the real who real you know the real person of who we are we will become now there are intrinsic qualities that we have and intrinsic you know intelligence level and attributes personality attributes we have those within us and we've always had those but there are things within us that are undeveloped or no i say undeveloped i'm talking about if you're seeking perfection, we're not even close. And the earthly experience we have here, which gives us the opportunity to be to choose good or evil, um, we're supposed to work through that. When we leave this earth life, we're going to be among righteous or we're going to be among wicked people. That's in the scriptures. It talks about that. Um, the good people will be with good people. There's going to be a separation between good and evil. Now, from earthly experience, we'll understand evil, and we would have experienced it, but we will not be forced to live among those people. We won't be exposed to it like we are here. We can still choose evil if we want, which would be stupid, but, I mean, we still have freedom of choice, but we are not compelled like we are here to be exposed to it. We'll be separated from it. Um, so I try to help people understand that don't think of this life per se as a test per se. That is, um, think of it as your, your exercise plan, your development plan, and, and view it as, you know, I'm here to become the best person I can be so when I leave here, I'm more prepared. I did this in another podcast once, um, explaining that, well, I was comparing life's journey from the time we're born to the time we die to education. And if, educa if the perfection of education is getting a PhD, 
And the failure to get an education means we don't get out of, we don't go any further than elementary school, you know, um, second, what do they call that? Secondary. So in other words, we don't go to junior high and up. We just go to elementary. So we stop at the eighth grade. And I knew people that dropped out of school in the eighth grade because they had to work, help their family's business, um, construction business. Um, I knew people dropped out of the 10th grade to help their family businesses. So if we're looking at perfection being PhD and failure it being stopping at the eighth grade, because that's, you know, because ninth through 12th is your uh, junior high and high school. Um, life is lived that way. We get to elementary, you know, we're the basic education we need to prepare us for junior high school. We go to junior high school, ninth and 10th grade, which is freshman and sophomore, to prepare us to be juniors and seniors. And then in our senior year, we have the choice of going on to higher education, which we you go through the same process as high school, and that is, you know, we begin as freshmen, then we become sophomores, then juniors, then seniors. That is found within um, the, you know, undergraduate program of a bachelor's degree, whether it's a bachelor's of science or a bachelor of arts. Um, and then there's a master's program. And then there is the PhD program, which I didn't I didn't do a master's or a PhD. I stopped at a bachelor's. Now, though my education stopped at a bachelor's, it doesn't mean that my development as an individual stopped at a bachelor's. I continue to study, I continue to read, continue to learn, which all of us do, even if we don't go to college, we don't stop learning. Um the difference is that some people, they don't stop learning. They just stop applying the knowledge they have. Um, some people do that. Um, like I was talking to years ago, I was talking to this man. I was, his English was so bad, I was correcting it because it was just killing me listening to him. And I said to him, um, I said, you know, it's not ain't. It, it isn't. He goes, I know. And I said, then why don't you say isn't? And he said, because I don't want to. I want to say ain't. And there were other words, too. And I said, so you would rather use improper English when you know how to use proper English? You choose to use improper English. What for? He said, because I can. And I mean, I was like having a headache from this illogical conversation. So I said to him, what value is there? Uh, I said, what value is there for you using improper English when you know proper English and you're choosing to use improper? What's, what's the value? And he said, there isn't any. I just want to do it, so that's why I do it. Well, I had a freaking migraine thinking about that because that is so ridiculous. That's to my In my mind, that's stupid. To knowingly choose something that you know is improper. It's just, to me, it was just almost too much. Because he, you know, little phrases he used. He used it, just like another friend of mine, he used a lot of slang. And I had to keep asking, what does that mean? What's that word mean? Because he was using words, um, like you said, the cheddar cheese. I didn't know cheddar cheese meant money or cabbage. I didn't know that stuff. He used a lot of slang 
urban terms I didn't know the meanings of. And, and I, I kept asking, well, what does that mean? And he said to me, man, you don't know any of this stuff. And I said, no, I really don't. I don't use those words. I said, we call money money or currency or coin, you know. Um, I said, my slang is, you know, what is it? Um, maybe you should say it too. Something lira and pesos. Moolah, lira, and pesos. I said, so my slang for money is moolah, lira, lira, or pesos. I said, we don't call it cheddar cheese and cabbage. And I've heard ducks. I know that one. So the point I was trying to make to him was, that if if something has a proper identifier, um, you know, like a TV is a television. Of course, people call it a TV because it's a lot easier to say it. But it's still a television. And if you think of the breakdown of the words, you know, Greek, tele, meaning distant, envision, something you see from a distance, meaning it's transmitted to you. They don't think like that. He certainly didn't. He said, that's too much BS, George. All I, need, all I need to know is where the remote is. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Because <laughs> I was braving the breakdown of television, trying to help him understand that it's okay to know the word television, what it means. I mean, that it's a device. But isn't it much better to know a lot more about something? And he said, no. He said, all I need to know is where the, where the remote is. That's it. Um, he limited himself because he was unwilling to apply himself and to gain more knowledge and understanding. He was satisfied with what he had. He had no um, desire, no ambition to learn more and be more because what he had was sufficient. Yeah. And that's the danger with a lot of people. A lot of people cut themselves off from great things because they settle for what they have. It's just, it's just a common malady with people. Um, and that's why there's so many people that will not be more, much more than what they are because they're not willing to apply themselves. And there's other people who will, you know, can climb mountains compared to these other people. And really what it comes down to is the person. It's all about the person. Yes, the person and what they choose and what they choose knowing right from wrong, good from evil. It's all choice-driven, and by those choices, we become, or we don't. Yeah, and I think when I think when people get to the other side, meaning when they leave this earth life, they're going to be shocked at how simple things really were, how easy things were to understand if you just applied yourself. And when I say applied by apply yourself, I'm talking about if we live our lives morally because we know right from wrong. We get feelings that this isn't right. Even if we do it, you know, we get those feelings. If a person governed themselves to listen to that inside voice, their conscience begins with the conscience and followed, just followed their conscience and the impression, spiritual impressions they got more people would be so much better off. Um, and they would be improving, even if it's freaking incrementally, just even if it's baby steps, the improvement is significant. Um, there is no, and this is the irony that I don't think people get. God doesn't say, okay, I'm giving you this much time 
to become, you know, perfect. And if you don't make it, it's too bad. Like God doesn't give us time limits by like saying, well, if you don't, if you don't do this by your 18th birthday, you're, you're, you're done. You're, you're lost. You missed out. You, you were so close, but you didn't make it. it doesn't do stuff like that. We're going to find ourselves answering the question when we stand before him. We're going to realize at that point that it was really us. We kept ourselves from becoming. We were the ones who kept ourselves from understanding or having opportunities that we took that benefited. It's going to be us. He doesn't keep us from having opportunities. You know, he wants us to have opportunities. He wants us to be better. He wants us to understand. He wants us to avoid the pitfalls of life. He wants us to choose wisely. So he advocates for all that's good for us. You know, some people see this advocation as restriction. It's false. You can do whatever you want, good and bad. You know, it doesn't matter. You, you get to choose. So if you decide to kill yourself, it's not God making you kill yourself. It's not God. Some say, well, God allows us to do it. Well, he allows us in the sense that he does not stop us from choosing. He allows us to choose to do whatever we wish to choose. But the consequences come with the blessing or the violation. God does not, you know, he's not waiting to impose a certain condition. I'd like say someone, and I knew someone this happened to, he used to party a lot with his friends and he was a pretty wild and crazy younger guy. And he drove home drunk a lot and, you know, high and all that stuff. And one day he got in the car with his friends and he flipped the car and it paralyzed him from the waist down. Hurt his friends, too. Um, and they pulled his license for years and he had a DWI and all this stuff. But um, but he ended up in a wheelchair. And and he was it was really remarkable when he was talking to the youth. He, he said, um God didn't make me this way. And it was really interesting, and he was right. The way he play it, put it to the youth, he said, uh, and some of you know my story. You know that I was with my friends, and we, I was driving drunk, and I flipped the car, and people got hurt, but I got paralyzed. And he said, I want you to know this. God did not cause that accident. I caused it because I was drunk. God didn't put me in this wheelchair. My being paralyzed was a result of what happened by not wearing a seatbelt in that accident. The way I got through around, it broke my back. So in other words, he laid out the facts as they, as they are. And that is, I chose to drive drunk. I endangered the lives of my friends. I flipped the car. I, got, I had a spinal injury, which resulted in me being paralyzed. And now I'm in a wheelchair. And why am I here? And why did I suffer? Because I chose to drink and drive. Boom. <coughs> not God's fault, not God's will. The consequences of me choosing to drive drunk put me in this wheelchair. I, I was sitting there thinking, yeah, he's absolutely right. This isn't a blame God moment. This is a taking responsibility for his choices moment. And that is the way it really works. So when people ascribe their failures, their disappointments, their consequences to God is false. There are consequences to actions and choices in this life that are 
pursuant to the choice and the amount of risk there is in this life of doing certain things. There was a friend of my wife's in college. He was very intelligent, handsome. Girls were chasing this guy down like he was the only man on earth. It was just crazy. Um, very athletic. Very, and he was a good guy. He personally wasn't one of those jerks who thought he was God's gift to women. <clears throat> he was actually a good guy. Um, but he loved to free climb. And free climbing, I've done it, and I don't do it anymore. <clears throat> too old. <clears throat> excuse me. Too old and fat. He loved to free climb. No protection, no ropes, no pinions, nothing. Um, he would just literally, and I, like I said, I did this when I was younger. He would just literally go to a face of, uh, you know, a vertical face of a cliff, and he'd climb it. He'd, he'd, he'd work his way up, and he climbed some pretty sketchy-looking rocks, let me tell you. I saw pictures of what he climbed. Well, there's a thing called, it's in near Provo, it's called Bridal Veil Falls. It's where a lot of, you know, engaged couples go and stuff and make out and all that stuff. And, and a lot of them, because it's such a beautiful falls, it's, it's like Angel Falls in Venezuela, I think it is. It's a wispy, you know, water comes over, but it's, it's it's a very narrow line of water. And it's wispy. When it hits down below, it makes a little, you know, like a cloud. It's a pretty romantic looking place. Well, to the right of, uh, of Bridal Vale Falls is this cliff face that you can climb. People die there every year climbing it. They fall. You know. um, he had, I guess he had climbed it before and everything. Well, anyways, he's climbing it, and his handhold slips, and he falls to his death. And unfortunately, this exists in, um, in the Mormon religion or Latter-day Saint religion. And that is... It was his time to go. God needed him on the other side. No, he was too good for this world. You heard all this kind of crap. <clears throat> and I was thinking, no, he slipped. His handhold slipped and he fell and died because he was he was climbing without ropes and without pinions and you know carabiners and all that other stuff you need to climb and, and make it to the top and not fall to your death. He chose to climb without them and his hand slipped and he fell and he died. It wasn't because it was his time to go. You know, I think many people go prematurely because of the choices they make. Um, God needed them on the other side. Where's the evidence for that? Yeah, help me. Help prove that to me somehow. Um, maybe he did, but where's the where's the evidence? He made a choice to climb a precarious. Because sometimes that moisture from the falls gets on the rock. So when you're climbing, if it's in the morning and it's cool, it could be very moist. And where a handhold you used to reach up and grab was dry, now it's moist or wet. There's dew there. And maybe your grip isn't so well. Now, if you would have chosen to climb it during the summer, late summer, where there's not much water, and the hot sun burns the, the moisture off the rocks, maybe he wouldn't have slipped. Yeah, we don't know. But the point is, it was his choice to climb without protection um, at a time of day when there was a high risk, and he fell and died. That's it. 
And it wasn't God taking him, and it wasn't God punishing him. It was a boy, a young man, who made a bad choice and paid the price for it. We can either make good choices or we can make bad choices. And sometimes we do both. I think everybody does both. The point is, at some point in our lives, we need to be making more good choices than we do bad choices and get to the point where we choose the good and we avoid the bad. Somebody was just asking me about that when I was talking to her, talking about evil. And I told them, I avoid evil by staying away from it. I said, I'm not one of those people that fights Satan. I'm one of those people that avoids him as much as I can. Try to avoid him. I try to stay away from getting involved with people who choose to do bad things or choose evil, choose wickedness. I try to stay away from them. I don't get involved with them. I don't have friendships with people um, who are wicked or evil people. I avoid them. I, they can do what they want to do, and they can make their choices. I'm not standing in their way, but I won't be with them. I won't be standing beside them. Yeah, Not the direction I want to go. All right. Well, it's been just over 30 minutes. I'm going to shut this down and get started because I want to go walking again. I want to start doing my routine again. Um, so I've got to cut this off and go, but wish you the best. Take care.